Hello and welcome to episode 303 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going well, Andrew. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. I was almost tempted to call you the Mayor of Amway. Am- <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> it's legitimate. <laughs> By the way, just to let everyone know, we are accepting Bitcoin for everything. So just invest in it. It's fine. Yeah, you know, Elon Musk can go fuck himself. Exactly. What does he know? You know yeah. what's really weird? He He's not accepting Bitcoin because he said that it uses too much power. This guy shot a car into space. <laughs> like, are we serious now? He's thinking, hmm, own a Bitcoin, shoot a car into space. Yeah. I know mm. which one used, uses least, less power. And why criticize something that you're invested in? I know. That's not how it works. That's pretty dumb. The only so, thing, the reason why I could think he's doing that, he's pushing the price down so he can buy some more. Yeah. So if you own Bitcoin, get in now because he's driving the price down to help you out. Yeah. I'm only speaking to one person there, but anyway. Buy a little um, bit of Shibu Inu as well. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that is. Shibu Inu. It's the, it's the new Doge. Right. Whatever that is. <laughs> Let me tell you, if Shibu Inu goes up to a dollar, I'm buying a house. I'm, I'm hoping that by entertaining this conversation that um, we get a shit ton of more listeners on the podcast maybe we should start our own coin what would we call our own coin freak coin freak coin (laughs) (laughs) oh shit we should maybe look for a coin that has the name freak in it and we all just invest Mm. we all get in really early while it's nothing and then we all just pump it up let's just pretend it's one anyway yeah it's yeah, nothing wrong with Ponzi's. They're fine. Just don't get caught. Anyways, <laughs> let's talk about football. Yeah, now that I've done my uh, my fiscal responsibility part of the podcast is out of the way. Yeah, rugby league. I've heard of that. It's been a rather uh, entertaining week. The yeah. biggest story that I heard of. I've been rather busy, so I haven't been too closely following it. So. I'll just get my bit out of the way early. There was some conversation earlier in the week about how the NRL may be looking or entertaining the idea of having quarters football instead of halves. Yeah. I saw a little bit of that, and I said that anybody that thinks rugby league should be played over quarters is a fucking moron. I stand by that. Um, I didn't see it get too much traction. Which no. was good. Thank Christ. Because uh, yeah. I think my my um, views on it was for the last year and a half, I was going, we need to speed the game up. We need to bring the little men back into the game. And then all of a sudden they've gone, we're now going to bring in more breaks and slow the game down because it's um, there's too much fatigue and we need to bring the big men back into the game. Yeah, yeah. So, so this, having this just means you've completely negated most of the interchange. And you've destroyed the little man because every player now gets a break or two extra breaks during the game. So it's going to be less need to use the interchange. Um, You're just going to have more big humans on the bench and the little man won't get to play against any fatigued players. 
Yep, completely ruins the flow of the match. Take, I mean, look, if if you're playing 20 minutes, you should be able to play 20 minutes and not need to come off the field, really. So, yeah, just a really, really dumb idea. So dumb. And it's only one that the only people that say it's good are TV executives because they can shove more ads in there. And it's like, just, you need somebody running the game that can just tell these people to fuck off. Yeah, right now we're in a situation where we've got administration that brought in a bunch of rule changes that weren't required. Yep. They've not made the game any better. They're now recognising some of the the issues with their unnecessary rule changes and their ego is so big and their knowledge of the game is so fucking small they are too stupid to roll them back to what they used to be, so now they're just going to pile on more dumb changes to the game to try and correct their own fuck-ups, and all they're doing is making things worse. Exactly. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, like, what other sport in the world changes, like, just randomly changes its rules on whims of people? It's just so silly. It is. It's utterly stupid, I it's it's getting to the point where the rule changes are alone are starting to turn people off. Mm-hmm. It's reminded me a bit of the time when they, just before they brought in T20 cricket and they started fucking around with the rules of one day as all the time. Yeah. To try and make it more exciting. And I feel like saying, you know, for that one there, said you had five days to play test cricket or you get the, all the action of test cricket Halved and then put into one day. Like, to condense something by t- <laughs> and make it 25% the size of the full version, how is that not making things more exciting already? What, what yeah, are you trying to do here? Like, you're trying to make exciting more exciting. Yeah, and here's the thing about T20 cricket, and people are going to say, oh, it's amazing, amazing, amazing. Tell me one memorable T20 match ever. Like, T20 is a load of horseshit. It really is. It's actually detrimental to the game of cricket. Because yeah. we do not see any bowlers who become better playing T20 cricket because they, all they do is just fucking spray the ball everywhere. you just got a bunch of batsmen who are just tonking everything everywhere. There's fuck all skill in it. They bring the boundary in to ensure the more runs are scored. It's just bullshit. It really is. Like, I fucking I hate T20 cricket. Yeah. But I don't like cricket anymore anyway. I just think the cricketers are a bunch of f- fucking douchebags. Um, but, yeah. Surely, it, surely not people like Michael Slater, though. <laughs> hasn't he won you over this last week? Funnily enough, he hasn't. You know, no, that's true. They, they, I saw in the news the other day, they were saying, Australian cricketers send a message to everyone from the Maldives. <laughs> it's like, why couldn't that... <laughs> Why couldn't that Chinese rocket have just landed there? That would have been good. But anyway. <laughs> they sent a message from the Maldives. Everyone went, yeah, we're not going to listen. And they had masks on, like like they're walking around the Maldives. Getting paid a million dollars a year. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Anyway. Um, um, yeah, it'd be cool if we had some people running the game that actually like the game in any capacity and weren't terrified of it. Like, 
I saw an interview with Peter Volandis the other day, and he was saying that he wanted to convince parents that it was safe for their kids to play rugby league and that it wasn't a sport that they were going to get injured in and stuff like that. And it's like, do we do we really have a sport that anyone can play? Like, is, is rugby league really the sport that anybody at all can play? And the answer is yes. But how many people really want to play it? Like, this is a sport where you get the ball and 13 other people are going to drag you to the ground. You know, not everyone wants to do that. I don't think we should aim our sport for everyone. Like, it just let the people play it that want to play it. And, you know, everyone else can watch on TV. Well, I mean, that was the beauty of the, the affiliation with touch football, is it? Yeah. For the kids who didn't want to get tackled or make tackles, and there are going to be kids like that, you've now got the touch version, so you can still have all the other great parts of playing footy, and you don't have to worry about getting yourself hurt if that was your big concern. So we'd already ticked that box. Yeah, we had a sport there for the likes of Clint Gutherson that doesn't want to get tackled. It's called touch football. Go and play that. Yeah, we don't the people need to like... make rugby league. And the stupid thing is, we're changing the rules of like the absolute top of the sport where you've got professional sportsmen who know all of the risks of playing and that get fairly compensated for it. We're going to change that so that, you know, some under fives parent doesn't get upset that a kid's going to get tackled. Yeah, it's... It's stupid, but you know it's Peter Valini, so of course it's fucking stupid. Yeah, you know, I tell you what, the one one thing that's starting to shift a bit is people's attitude towards Valandis because people are starting to realise that he doesn't really know how the game of rugby league is supposed to look. Yeah, and that's evident because I I'll say this in his defence, I'm not convinced that these changes he's bringing in are changes that he 100% genuinely wants. I think these are changes that he gets told that the media will accept and they're the reasons why he goes that way. So it's not really a positive comment for him. It just shows how vapid he is as a human that he chooses to make any decision that will give him positive PR. That's he's basically a, my view of what he's doing. Yeah, so he's either out of touch or weak. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, I um, get that. So I, I just wish he'd either have the balls and back what rugby leagues wants or piss off yeah because right yeah. now he's given us neither you know he had an article uh that there was an article by peter bedell in the uh courier mail i think it was today yeah it was today did he get and a pulitzer he, for it <laughs> and he came out and he said that uh they were looking at not only having one extra team in queensland but two extra teams and possibly by 20 uh, 27 and I'm thinking to myself all they do is talk about expansion they don't ever actually fucking expand the sport I, I'm sick of hearing about expansion because they talk about oh Perth and Adelaide and second New Zealand team and Brisbane and they go down the entire list and they don't actually fucking pull the trigger like if you're going to have a team come in from Brisbane they need to be given the green light. They need to be selected and told, yes, you can start signing players. 
And instead, they just endlessly talk about it. They have endless... There's something about this commit, this fucking administration right now. They love committee meetings. They love them during a game, and they love them off the field as well. And they just talk. It's just a fucking talk fest. Why can't I just turn on the TV and watch a fucking game of football without the referee having to hold court for 20 minutes during the match while they check this and check that and talk to this? And it's fucking stupid. Yeah, it's getting irritating. And, you know, obviously we've we've been um, not really con- committed to the whole PVL extravaganza that people have been banging on about and pulling their dicks over. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're starting to see, you know, that we were right with that justification. And yeah. as I remember saying it last year, like anytime someone comes along that's involved in the game of rugby league, and the media fucking loves them, that's a reason to automatically be concerned. Yeah. And we're seeing why now. Well, I mean, the first thing he did was negotiate a TV deal for less money. Which actually allowed Channel 9 to then go and afford to buy the rights for Rugby Union. Yeah, yeah. For the exact same amount that we gave him back. Yeah, that's right. Ridiculous. Yeah. So he's given the leg up to the opposition straight away. Furthermore, they've used that to go and do live streaming on Stan of all rugby union games, but there's no rugby league games on Stan. Oh, really? See, I don't have Stan because... I, I only just... got it through a work promotion, so I've, I've had it. It's not, you know, I think I've watched it about four or five times in the last year. Yeah. Should so, check out the, you should check out their Australian comedy section. It's It's brilliant. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's not even comedy, but it's brilliant. They you do. Know, stand, they've got people doing stand-up shows, and it's like they're doing a practice run in front of a uh, in front of a mirror because you never hear anyone laughing. You know, I it's funny you mention that because I was looking at um at the Apple movies today, and because none of the big movies have been coming out because no one can go to them, um, it's a lot of small movies, and so there's a lot of Australian movies. And I'm thinking to myself, why does every Australian movie just have a picture of somebody standing in the, like, the desert, looking off into the distance, and it's got a shit name, like The Drover? Or, oh, yeah. Well, that, that's because we only have Outback people in Australia. The Water Diviner. Yeah, well, that, that's a Russell Crowe film, so that's bound to be shit. Who the fuck wants to watch a movie called The Water Diviner? Don't, don't be knocking water dividing. Though. That's pretty impressive. The only problem with that film is there's fuck all water dividing in it, I'm sure. There was one that I saw, and it was about... It, it had two... I think Sam Neill was in it, and it was... I think it was called The Ram or The Sheep or something, and it was about a prize sheep. It's like, who the fuck is Green Light? And I bet you it's taxpayers that are paying for all these fucking movies. Yeah, if it's by Screen Australia, it'll be a taxpayer thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a good mood tonight, aren't we? We are. We're just shitting on everything. It's fucking yeah. fantastic. People love this. Speaking of shitting on things, it's Magic Weekend. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't you love Magic Weekend? I've, I, I've been told by plenty of people in the media that everyone loves Magic Weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, I do. I remember, I remember shitting on the concept initially, going, "This is just a promotional tool which the UK uses that we don't need." Yeah. So why are we doing it? Well, look, any time you can uh, make sure that the vast majority of your rugby league base can't actually attend a game on the weekend, you've got to go with it. 
Exactly. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got what, 26 million people in Australia and what, two and a half, three million people in Brisbane. So, you know, fuck the other 23 million. <laughs> but at least we're promoting the game of rugby league in Brisbane, where into it does new, struggle. Into a new market. Yeah, yeah. It's Hopefully. Good. It's, it's if, a really good promotional tool for I, a rugby league in Brisbane. I wonder, and bear with me on this. Yeah. If we have this big rugby league extravaganza, we had one not too long ago that was entirely in one city in Australia. And if it gets a poor crowd at, at Magic Weekend, like it did in this other city when they had that rather rugby league extravaganza a few years back, would that immediately kill off any talk of expansion plants into that market like it did to that other region? Because remember, we had the... Yeah. We had Rugby the League Nines in the Perth, nines in but apparently Perth. bad crowds was enough to turn the uh, NRL off ever having an expansion team there. <laughs> if we get, you know, three crowds of 15,000, I mean, touch wood, it won't happen because, you know, we don't want that to happen in Rugby League, but imagine if that is what happened and they went, oh, shit, the crowds didn't turn up. I wouldn't oh, be shocked. Fuck all the expansion. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. It'd be very Rugby League to make all of these places invest money to put together bids and then just say, oh, you had a bad weekend, can't do it. Yep. Yep, the media said so. Yeah. But I, I just, there's no need for Magic Weekend in Australia. I get it for the UK. For the UK, it's, you know, they yeah. needed another event. They needed to be able to promote it and stuff like that. We it's just a, don't Let's be it. honest, it's a good thing for the UK, game. It's one of the very few smart ideas they've had. Yeah, I mean, if they had to run their game properly to start with, they'd never need a Magic Weekend. Mm-hmm. But given the shit situation they put themselves in, a Magic Weekend is actually a pretty good idea. Um, but we definitely just do not need it here. And the only way a Magic Weekend would work is if you put it in a city where they don't have an NRL team. Yeah. Make that city pay a ton of money to have it there as a promotional tool because you're going to have a lot of people travelling there. It's a win-win for the game. It's a win-win for the city. And hopefully it's a win-win for having an expansion team in a new market. So a Magic Weekend in Perth would have been a great idea. Yeah, but it would have been. Putting in Brisbane, I mean, you may as well have Magic Weekend at fucking Leichhardt Oval. Well, there's a reason we went away from having just a Sydney competition where you only had games in one city because it was kind of a bad thing for the game yeah. overall. Yeah, it wasn't. the game wasn't growing because of it. And it no. got stagnant. It's just silly. I, I don't understand it, but the media absolutely loves it. Um, and I, I don't I don't get why. I know that people go there and they, they travel to it and they enjoy themselves. I get that. I'm not saying that they can't enjoy themselves, but to do it at the expense of every single other place where rugby league could have been played this weekend, I, there's no upside to it at all. Nope, none at all. What could have been a magic round was to have every game played in a regional area instead of one city. Yeah, that would have been good. That would have been magic. Yeah. Nah, you know. You know like, especially this year, um, would have been good to actually have a few games in maybe some of those areas, if possible, that were impacted by bushfires back in, you know, start of 2020, mm-hmm. end of 2019. Go there and that way you could get fans to travel to some of those games, inject a bit of cash into those local economies, help them out, help them with their rebuild. Mm-hmm. would have been brilliant. Um, 
sure the facilities may not be fantastic, but if you're doing it just, it's just a one-off thing. The NRL can take the hit for one round, especially if it's going to help these local communities. It's fucking amazing PR. Would have been brilliant. That yeah. would have been magic. Uh, you know, the uh, the funny thing was in the article today, because Peter Volandi's obviously, you know, he's trying to get some headlines. And so he was saying that they should add two extra teams in Queensland, which makes zero sense at all. And uh, then he was saying that they need to do it because some AFL team up there has built a new facility and, you know, they're just encroaching on rugby league territory and we've got to combat the the AFL. And it's just this weird thing he has about AFL. Like, I get it. AFL shit. And, you know, you, you've got to make sure that you hold your ground against everything. But I, I don't think you look at adding extra expansion teams because some AFL team built a, a training facility <laughs> in Western Brisbane. He, he is obsessed with AFL and with Melbourne. I've never heard a rugby league administrator talk so often about Melbourne and AFL. Uh, It's off off the fucking charts. He mentions it more than what I do, and I fucking live here. (laughs) You know the other weird thing he said? He said, um, you know, if we had two extra teams in, in Queensland... Maybe Cameron Smith wouldn't have left. Maybe he would have stayed in He's Brisbane. And it's 38. like, well, well, that there's that too. But it's like, hang on a second. This is a guy that is a legend for the Melbourne Storm. Played what eighteen years for the one club, more games than any other. One of the most successful players of all time. And he's like, we could have not had any of that. He could have stayed up here. It's just a weird. Weird way to look at it, I thought. Oh, I'm Look, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Yeah. You don't need to come with me, but I'm going to say Peter Volandis is a fuckwit. I'm there. Has to be said. I'm, I'm just... I've tried to be measured with my criticisms. I just can't anymore. Yeah. I'm fucking done with him. Yeah, it's he, just silly. It's absolutely silly. You know what the game needs is somebody that, like, first of all, all of these rule changes, they need to stop. They need to stop immediately. Just come in and say we're going to roll them all back to what we had in 2018. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. And just start again with anything that needs to be done about HIAs. We can work on that and change that around. Mm -hmm. But other than that, all these other rule changes just... Knock them back. The fucking 2040, the two-point field goal, these fucking set restarts, captain's challenge, all just fuck it off. Looking at the every single try scoring play and then taking points off the oh, board. Oh, that fucking does my head in. That That's does. rotten. That's so in, rotten. You know what's so dumb about that is that, that came from the back of people complaining about how people were not allowed to enjoy the moment of someone having scored a try <laughs> because they had to watch a replay to find out whether it was awarded or not. Yeah. So now you get to experience the joy of being seeing your team score a try as well as the complete fucking misery and anger and fury that comes with having the try disallowed and the points come off the scoreboard. Yeah. 
You know, and <sighs> a lot of it gets pumped up by people, uh, and it's all just people in the media. And they say, oh, it's great theatre, it's great drama. And it's like, no, no, the rugby league is the theatre and the drama. You doing your replays and talking over replays and endless replays, and then we go back, and then you bag the decision anyway. That's not the fucking theatre and drama. That's just irritating and horrible. No one wants that. Yeah. So much so that scoring a try now comes is, is fraught with peril. Yeah. So they're going, uh, I, I preferred it when I just had to wait and watch. You know, kind of like what you had to do the entire game leading up to a try anyway, is that you had to wait. But it's part of the suspense. But now, yeah. you, now you get the try award on the spot and then you wait and watch. And what you're waiting for is not 50% joy. It's 50% relief. Yeah, exactly. And anger. And, you know, the, the goal kickers are lined up and they're waiting to kick mm-hmm. their goals. And everyone in the stadium is just waiting for the game to get on with it. And all of these stoppages, like, I hate them so much. I, I hate them so much I would be willing to get rid of the video referee at this point. Just get rid of captain's challenges, get rid of the video ref, having goal touch like a linesman again. And if there's mistakes, there's mistakes. Like I am at that point now. Well, I mean, all of these changes are purely done because they're undermining the referee. Yeah. Which means they're all entirely media based, you know, because the media are the only ones who have been constantly shitting on refs all the time. They've, they've been steering that conversation for fucking years. So that's and, all on them. So, yeah, they need to all be rolled back. And while we're talking about shitting on referees, your old mate, Graham Annesley, mm. um, you, you revealed during the week, uh, he, he's got his own <laughs> he's got his own variety show. Well, you know, I saw he said he'd said something in, in his little press conference thing that he holds every week. And my first thought is, who's it for? No one's watching it. Like, who the fuck is watching it, right? And so I thought, I'm going to write an article on my website, legfreak.com, about it. So I go to the NRL website, and I thought I could just link to one of these things just to show people. And he's on for half an hour. Mm -hmm. Half an hour. Yeah. What could he possibly say? Half an hour every week. The fucking ego of the head of football to think that he can have a half hour streaming show every single week where he bags the referees. He says all of the mistakes they made. It's unbelievable. Mm. This is not happening anywhere else in the world. No, no, of course not. And it's not like you've got every club comes out and has a half hour video where they show all the mistakes of all of their players. Obviously, it's a longer video for West Tigers games, but you get the idea. Mm. No one's highlighting all the mistakes every player makes every week, and there's fucking lots of them. Well, Dave Jagai you... last week would have had a highlights video of mistakes that went for about an hour. <laughs> well, imagine if, say, the Sydney Roosters had Trent Robinson half hour every every week just live streaming. He, he holds court talks about anything he wants about, has a little board behind him with his little pointer, and uh, he just talks about anything he wants. People would be like, what is this guy doing? 
And it's the same thing. Like half an hour, really? This guy couldn't condense it into, you know, a, an email he sends out? Yeah, an article. Yeah. He has to have his own show. Um, I hear that that half hour has been whittled down from a two-hour show where he has dancing girls. He has a, a comedy section. There's a you talent what, show. You know what it's like? It's like in the movie Casino where the guy gets banned from running casinos, the casinos, because they say that he's involved with uh, the mob. And so, and he his ego's too big to let the lifestyle go. So he ends up hosting this variety show in a casino. So then he's a performer and he can be there. And he has guests come on and stuff. Like, how far away are we from Graham Manersley having a guest come on, sits down, he, you know, he's got the something in his cup. He always jokes that it's alcohol, promote promotes movies and shit. Maybe Russell Crowe can go on there and flog the water diviner. There we go. We call it Hey Hey It's Annesley. Yeah, Hey Hey It's Annesley. That's that's going to be the name of this episode. (laughs) He'd have his little puppets all around him. Yeah, it'd be good. Instead of instead of Aussie Ostrich, who could he have? Um. Oh, that'd, that'd have to be PVL, wouldn't it? <laughs> the puppet, the ultimate puppet. The ultimate puppet? Yeah. Um, he's going to be Dicky Knee. These are references that people who are 20, 20 to 30 years are not going to get at all. <laughs> yeah, they, they'd have no idea. Dicky Knee would have to be Matthew Johns, just popping up and oh, saying yeah. the most ridiculous shit. Pretending to be the the comedy act. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that'd be brilliant. Who would be Jackie McDonald? <laughs> oh dear. Um oh Jackie Jackie McDonald. Mm. That's a tough one. That's a real tough one, yeah. This, I mean she she gave she provided absolutely nothing. That could be buzz. Yeah, maybe, hey. Yeah. But well, it goes Buzz, Buzz doesn't really laugh, though, does he? able to stay awake for half an hour. Yeah, and he doesn't really laugh. She laughed a lot. Yeah, true. She always laughs it's, a lot. It's funny, though, because people will, will say about, hey, hey, it's Saturday. They'll be like, oh, they just used to have, you know, a, a woman that was there that was a token woman, and they didn't really do anything. And it's like, sorry, tell me what else Jackie McDonald was going to do in the entertainment industry. <laughs> Uh, hey, hey, it's honestly. I like it. This this shit's going to write itself. We have a bit more time. We can write our own fucking episode could, about that. Could even have Australian comedians come up and give monologues about shit that isn't funny. Oh, Craig McLaughlin's free. Calm down. <laughs> um, <laughs> have, you, have you heard? Have you seen his live Hey, have you seen his uh, his, his stand up? No, I haven't. No, no, neither have I. But um, I'm sure it'd be hilarious. Imagine if that's what he was doing the last year and a half was just working on material. That'd be brilliant. I I would say that he has as much chance of making me laugh as any other Australian comedian. That's true. So you get Dave Hughes on there. 
Oh, wouldn't that be great? He could yeah. just talk in a weird voice. Yeah. And answer his own questions an awful lot. Yeah. With his, uh, opening his eyes really wide. It, it's, it's funny how all of these so-called comedians, they do morning breakfast shows now on radio, and they are so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, and you know, the funny thing is they get these jobs cause they're safe and like, that's the complete well, opposite of what a comedian's supposed to be. Well, also, well, that's true. It's not only is it safe, it's also a, a general, uh, you know, a generous income. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, they're safe. That's their biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're looking for safe as a comedian, then you're not being a comedian. Yeah. You're just being a entertainer. They literally tell, like, dad jokes. Yeah, they're all dad jokes. I mean, Koshy does that. He's yeah, a yeah. financial it, analyst who tells dad jokes. They're competing in that realm. Exactly, 100%. And Koshy's not going to go out there and tell you he's a comedian. No. No. So, you know, let, I, let, let's hear it for David Kosh, Australia's greatest comedian. Because <laughs> that's pretty much where we're at right now. <laughs> Who could you? Who else could you say is a comedian that's not actually a comedian? Like any time the Logies come around, and that you know how Channel Nine pretends Carl's drunk, and it's yeah. like oh, Carl, <laughs> careful there, Carl. Pretend Carl's getting drunk. all hands again. So ridiculous. Oh dear. Um, we we keep straying away from rugby league. We'll we'll stray back. Yeah, let's go back. Um, there was Adam- some. Yeah, sorry, go on. I was going to say Adam Reynolds is uh, he was in a bit of a tug of war between the Broncos and the Sharks, and he's uh, he's decided to refuse the Sharks' claim, which was sizable, mm-hmm. and he's gone to the Broncos. Yeah, good move. I think it's a good move for everyone. You know, they get they get some time. They get three years of a halfback that they don't have to worry about the halfback for three years, but hopefully. While he's there, he can help groom the next good playmaker that the Broncos need for when Adam Reynolds retires or moves on after those three years. He'd have been good to have playing alongside Tom Dearden, to be honest. Yeah, he would have. He Fuck really they would they shoot themselves in the foot of that. that. They have, yeah. But it, you look, it's three years. I think that it's a reasonable contract as well. Um, I can't really see any downside for him or the Broncos. I saw, it was interesting, I saw a little bit of uh, NRL 360 and they were saying they were saying that, like, well, the Broncos have plenty of talent and their forward pack's not their problem. And I'm thinking to myself, well, their forward pack is one of the massive problems they have and mm-hmm. if they had all of this talent, why are they at the bottom of the ladder? Um, but, you know, he'll give them direction but there's a lot. I mean, they they have a lot of building still to go. Like this is the first step, and the the only thing that worries me is that he's at a very different point of his career than a lot of the young players they do have. Who, when they come into their peak, Adam Reynolds will be off contract again. But yeah. you know, you've got to take what you can get. That's right, and this is the problem they've got at the moment. It's been highlighted really well last weekend. Is uh, well, the last two weekends is the lack of genuine leaders at the Broncos because they got rid of all of their experienced players in the past two years. Mm-hmm. They've had a few, just a few injuries this year, not more than any other clubs. But the people they keep giving captaincy to get, keep getting injured 
and it got to the point where they were looking around going, who do we make captain this week? Yeah, yeah. And seriously, you, if that's a question you've got to ask, then you are sorely lacking in leadership. Yeah, and they've been like that for a while. Mm. Like, And when I say a while, I mean ever since Darren Lockyer retired. Yeah, they've sort of been a little bit aimless with their recruitment, but keeping their head above water. Yeah. But yeah, 2019 when they started just culling experienced players. You know, when when um Seabold turned up. Yeah. He was just he was just cutting experienced players everywhere. Some needed to go, no doubt. He kept the ones he was should have got rid of and he got rid of some of the ones he should have kept. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Andrew McCulloch hadn't been playing great, but there's a little bit of experience there that you kinda need to have around your forwards, which they lacked when they got rid of him. Um Josh Maguire they probably could have hung on to. Um they're not players that you would have kept on big money. Just a little bit of experience to have around the club. They've got big game experience. They're just handy to have around a bunch of youngsters because that was the problem. They had no, you know, you, each club's got, should have plays in three different categories. There's these bunch of rookies, bunch of people in the peak of their careers, which is mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of experienced players who are in their thirties. You yeah. need, you need several players in each group if you're going to be successful. And the Broncos didn't have any in the middle. They just had a bunch of old people and a bunch of young guys. And so obviously the young guys are going to start coming through and all the old guys are going to disappear. Mm-hmm. Let the old guys disappear naturally. Mm-hmm. Don't fucking force them all out a few early, a few years too early because you're going to have this entirely young squad and no guidance. Yeah, and like, look what it's done for them. Yeah. They're, they're in a bad position. And... You know, there's people that are really getting on Kevin Walter's case and it's not his fault. I actually ah. think he's done a really, really good job with what he's got to work with, to be honest. Yeah, he's got, instead of having one or two problems to deal with, he's got all the problems to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And he's steadily trying to, I suppose, weed out the biggest issues. Kind of not too dissimilar to what um, what the Titans had to do last year. Yeah. You know, Figure out what your best combination is in in your in your attack. Try and figure out how to shore up your defense in the middle, and then recruit around those strong points. And that's what he's kind of juggling with at the moment, trying to sort that out. And at the same time, trying to make sure that the Broncos aren't a team that just get flogged every week. Yeah, and, and like pe- people are saying, look, they're they're really inconsistent under Kevin Walters, but it's better than being consistently absolutely atrocious. Like, there have been some games this year where the Broncos have turned up to play, and you're like, wow, you know, this is, they're making a really tough game of this, or they look really, really good. Um, that That is, it's way better that they're super inconsistent in that regard than the consistency they showed last year, which was just being terrible in every game. Yeah, and let's point out, the Broncos started pretty well last year. Had two wins in the opening two games. So, after nine rounds last year, they conceded 243 points, which mm-hmm. is only three points more than they've conceded so far this year. Yeah. But they went into the start of last year having been in the finals the year before. They come at the start of this year having won the wooden spoon. Yeah. Um, so, the mentality is completely flipped. Um, the other thing, too, is the Broncos got worse from this point on last year, considerably. Yeah. I can't see that 
dropping off anywhere near severely this year around. So I think he's doing pretty well. I'm I'm not willing to to hang shit on him. No, no, I don't I just, think you can. The media love fucking making scapegoats out of coaches. They already did it with John Morris. Um, yeah, look at look at how the the Sharks. I mean, they made that decision on John Morris, and they've been atrocious. Like they might be the worst team in the league since they made that decision. And I get the feeling they pinned a lot of hopes on getting Adam Reynolds. And now where are the Sharks at? Because Tanzan's gone. And I don't think that they're too upset about that. No, no, that, that's a smart decision. But they're yeah. also looking like they may be losing um, Sean Johnson. Well, well you don't say losing. They've, apparently they've been shopping him around to Super League clubs. So yeah, they're not trying to keep Johnson. him. You couldn't keep him. He's too injury prone at this point of his career. And like when he does get on the field, you know, every four games he has one that's all right. Yeah, look, I think they've got enough in their um, in their juniors. So they've got obviously they've got Connor Tracy, who's a pretty good half, and for some unknown reason they're still parking him out on the wing. Mm. He's been playing on the wing most of this year. I don't know why they can't just bring a proper winger up. And I'm not having a guide him. He's played pretty fucking well for a bloke who's so horribly out of position. Um, he's he's not been the problem at all with that with that uh, Sharks team, but. They are not utilising the skill set he has because he's got a great passing game and a good short kicking game, and he can't use any of it when he's parked out on the wing all match. Yeah. Um, the, thing, the thing I don't understand is why, if you get a caretaker coach that comes in, right, and you're already looking towards next season, like this season's over for the Sharks. It's done. Mm. They were going to be in the finals, I think, maybe seventh or eighth, but... Under Morris, they're going to be in the finals. It's over now. So why don't you go to Josh Hannay who, and say, look, we're aiming for next year. We want all the youngsters in. We want all the old guys out. Yeah. Anyone who's not going to be here next year, just send them all to the Reggies. Yeah. And we need to see what, what our young stock are like, what they're capable of. So bring them all through. Let's, let's have a look at them. Let's check them out. Why... <laughs> Why keep playing Townsend? He's playing utter shit. Yeah. But he is so bad right now. I will keep Luke Brooks and Moses and Bite, the West Tigers, if I had the choice between any of those and Chad Townsend. Chad Townsend is a, is playing utter shit. See, I I'm, think I'm I'd wondering if the have, I'm wondering I'd, if I'd the Cowboys are looking Townsend. at him and going I'm wondering if the Cowboys are looking at Townsend at the moment and going, What the fuck have we done? Yeah, well, I didn't understand like if they had got him really cheap, I would have understood that. Mm. But I don't understand why you would target him as a marquee signing. You know, and they've obviously got him alongside Dearden. You'd hope that Dearden would take a lot of pressure off of Townsend, but <laughs> it really shouldn't be that way. No. No. It's it's utter nonsense. It's starting to look now like an op you know, and these are not great options, but the Cowboys might have been better off if they had gone after Luke Brooks instead. At least Luke Brooks has got a few more years on him. Yeah, true. And he would play as a pretty handy six with Deed yeah. controlling things at seven. That would be a much better idea. Yeah. But Townsend has been just... His game management has been horrible these last few weeks. I wonder if... You know how players can pull out of a contract before June 30? Mm. I wonder if a team has that ability to do the same thing. Yeah, be curious. I mean, that's the thing, though. I think 
I think Peyton likes Townsend because of the safe and consistent method that he plays in. Yeah. I, that's all I can think of. Like, he knows what he's going to get out of Chad Townsend every week, so he can work from that. It's not yeah. going to fluctuate much. And co- look, coaches, we've talked about this, coaches love safe. Yeah. They'll take safe every day of the week. They don't like unpredictability. But, yeah, like, his game is just really bad at the moment. It is. It's horrible. And I, look, playing devil's advocate, what was the alternative for the Cowboys? Well, that's the thing. There's not a huge amount of great halves on the market. You know, Ash Taylor, um, as I said before, Luke Brooks. I know he's not actually off contract, but, you know, I think if another club came along and offered to buy him from the Tigers, I don't think the Tigers would stop them. Yeah, and I agree. And, like, the the really good halfbacks that are off contract, I don't think they'd be able to afford because they're paying a winger to play fullback in uh, Valentine Holmes. They're paying him a million bucks a year. you got um, Tamalolo, who's on, I mean, at the very lowest, he's on a million. He's probably on 1.2 million or something like that. So they've got, it's not like they can say, well, let's go over after someone like, say, Mitch Moses and give him a million or offer DCE 1.5 million. Like, they just haven't got that capacity. Maybe no. that the alternative for them was they uh, they have Matt Daylight as their 5'8", <laughs> as they currently do, and they play him alongside Deard, and, and that's just not going to work, I don't think. No, 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 no. You, you can't have that. No. Now, the, the other crazy thing is that there's now talk that Anthony Milford could be recruited by the Sharks. And all of a that, sudden, I'm wondering, what the fuck has gone on at Cronulla? Yeah, that, that'd be a terrible sign. And I heard he was also a possibility to go to the Titans, which I, I don't like that move either. I don't know what the Titans would need him. No. Unless, unless the Titans are thinking of playing him at fullback, which for me would be almost passable because you've got two halves who have got the playmaking ability then. You'd just move Brimson to 5'8". Yeah, and so they could I, control I, the play. I I could almost justify that, but I wouldn't have Milford anywhere near a five, a six or a seven jumper anymore. No, neither would I. I I couldn't move Brimson from fullback. He's been oh, God, fantastic. No. Yeah, he's brilliant there. Yeah, but that, and, that's the only way I'd make that work if I was the Titans. Yeah, but I wouldn't but be doing it. I I just I don't know what you do with Milford. Like Super League. It's got to be. I can't yep. think of a situation where he works at the moment. He'd dominate Super League. He would, yeah. He'd kill it. He'd destroy him. He'd be Man of Steel three years in a row over there. There's no, I've got no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, as a halfback, too. They only play as a half and a five-eighth. Fuck, they'd even play him at hooker because that's what they do over there. He'd still be bloody great at it. Probably end up at lock at some point. If you go to the right club, which one's Tim Sheen's at? He'll be in the fucking front row. It's just a weird one. I Like, Milford, he was a very handy player at Canberra, and when he first got to the Broncos, he was still that player, but it's just, it's fallen off cliff. And, you know, he reminds me a little bit of somebody, and it's going to sound weird, he reminds me a little bit of Moses and Bai. Like, where do you play him? He hasn't really got a position that he's settled into. He's more of a game-breaker. But it I mean, feels had that with like Tyron he would Peach, be the sort we? of player that would be dominant in reserve grade, but 
but then you put him in first grade and he's just out of place. He's just sort of between tears. Mm-hmm. He's in a realm of his own in that middle there. Yeah, it's a he strange be, one. He needs to be in like first and a half grade. First and a half grade. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and, and it's weird because like when they got him from the Canberra Raiders, they paid big money for him. He was a proper marquee signing. Mm. And now I just don't know what you would do with him. Like, yeah, he's he's an awkward one. You've got to put him in a team where they've already got um, two or three genuine playmakers in the spine, and he's just an addition to that. Um, and... Like a David Peachy, uh, not David Peachy. Um, what's his name? Tyrone. Tyrone Peachy. Yeah. Yeah. Tyrone Peachy role. So you can put him somewhere else in the side. I wouldn't put him at. I wouldn't put him in the three-quarter line, but I'd, the only place I'd, I'd tolerate having Milford now is at fullback, purely because he's not in every attacking play. Yeah. So he's chiming in when you need him to. And I think that would be better for him um, and be better for a team or overall at the moment. He's just... Because it happened for a few years at, at the Broncos there where they were not too sure on their their halves, they had McCulloch at Hooker, who was not very good at creating any sort of attack. And so Milford was left to do everything. Yeah. And so now he just feels like that's his role now, is to do all of that, and it's too much for him. It's too much for any player. Mm-hmm. So he's, that's the situation he's in, whereas I think if he was to be in a role where all of that responsibility is weaned back hard... Um, I think it'd be the best thing for him and for the whatever whatever team he goes to. But yeah, it's got to be a club where he can slot in at fullback, and they've already got set halves and a, and a good hooker, and they don't need any constant attacking plays from from this bloke in every second tackle. Yeah, I don't know which club needs that though. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like uh... Penrith, they're not going to fucking sign him. They don't need him. But that'd you know. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about, though. Like that's where you'd have to go, something like that. Yeah, or like a, a Roosters where mm. they just find this really unique place for him to work with. Yeah. Uh, I, but outside of that, like... Actually, no, South would have been perfect with Reynolds and Walker in the halves mm-hmm. and Cook at dummy half. I've, yeah, he would have worked good at fullback there. Well, you know what I mean? What if he went to Souths? Alongside Cody Walker, so they've got they've got the hooker in Cook. Cody Walker's there at five eighth. So you've got a certain amount of playmaking, you've got a certain amount of leadership, and that already. I wonder if you could get something out of him there. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it, it wouldn't be something I would do if I was South, but I'm just wondering. Like, I'm trying to find a position for him. I really am. Yeah, I, I don't think. I don't think South without Reynolds is, is a good place for him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know which other club will be able to take him. You'd, you'd need to have good halves and a hooker. Would you take... Okay, here's a question for you. Would you... Wh- which lineup scares you more? The Parramatta Eels with Gutherson or the Parramatta Eels with Milford at fullback? With Milford at fullback. It does me too, hey? Um. Yeah, I just think I think his attack is is more threatening. He's got a better kicking game too. Yeah, how weird's that though? 
Yeah, but that's the thing. That, that's exactly what I'm talking about, though, because the three-man playmakers, your, ta- your halves and your hooker, are set, mm-hmm. and they're, they're good at what they do. You've just got to chime in. It's saying what that about- Gutherson has been playing good this year, but, you know. Um, but that's... nice if you ran the ball. Um, what about outside of DCE at Manly? If foreign retires, actually, it wouldn't be too bad either. Yeah, because DCE actually can handle that workload. Yeah, DCE is one of the few with all his experience, and you know he's a pretty good leader and stuff like that. I think he could take so much pressure off of Milford. Yeah, Milford's actually got the skill set to be able to take a little bit off DCE as well. So it would work both pretty well there. Yeah. So yeah, that wouldn't be a bad one, especially with you got Tom Trebojevic at, at fullback. All that needs a nine there. Yeah. I can't think of any good nines that are on the market, though. Brandon Smith. Yeah, I I feel like he wouldn't go to Manly, though. I don't know. That's the thing. You know what? If he went to Brisbane, it would be a good start. It would. It would. I'd fucking love him at the West Tigers, though. He'd be perfect there. Tigers aren't fucking talking to him, though. Yeah. Of course they're not. No, no, he needs some outside backs. But let's not go down that fucking avenue. Yeah, well, fuck it, let's do it. Tigers have signed themselves an outside back. They need defensive power in the middle, Mm -hmm. and they've gone and signed an English centre. Because we know how great defenders they are. Yeah, there's been a long list of fantastic English uh, centres in the last 20 years that have come into the NRL and dominated. Add him to the list alongside, you know, of, of you know, defensive powerhouse centres at the West Tigers. He's not he's not going to be worse than James Roberts. He's not going to be worse than Joe Lolua defensively. That's I don't know. Not exact, I... That's not exactly a high bar to fucking clear. <laughs> I... No, I've, I've seen enough of him playing to know that, you know, this is Oliver Gildart. He's, I've seen enough of him to, to know that at least he knows where he should be standing in the defensive line mm-hmm. and that he should move up in the same fucking line as everybody else when he's moving in the defensive line. He understands that basic concept, which is immensely better than those two fucking idiots that the West Tigers have got at the moment that they're paying a shit ton of money to. That's a good point. But it's just his... He doesn't stick too well to a lot of tackles sometimes. And I, I'm, I worry that given that the NRL tends to have a lot of big back rowers running at centres, whereas in the Super League, it's all, you know, your opposite number runs at you the whole time. So it's like for like all the time. Um, the NRL is much better at getting second rowers running at smaller men. I worry that he might struggle if he's got to take on, you know, Kikau and Tomalolo and, you know, mm-hmm. players like that on a regular basis because he's not going to get... He doesn't deal with that too much in the English game. The English game runs are much more... As I said, center attacks center, winger attacks winger. They they run at their own opposite number most of the time. Yeah, I, I would never ever sign an English center ever, 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 ever. No. So, well done, West Tigers. <laughs> Fucking geniuses. <sighs> now all you need's a, another winger and another center and another winger and another center. You're starting to get a, a nice little forward pack there. Yeah, so, you know, all we need then is we just need to get Tim Sheens back as coach so we can figure out which one of those will play in the prop. Yeah, positionless football. 
Yeah, just have the same robots all across the field. Be brilliant. Can't tackle and don't do much else. Um, fucking genius. <laughs> what else has been going on? Um, oh, Sam Walker re-signed for the Sydney Roosters for two seasons. Good call. Which I, I think is a good move for him. Yeah, it's a good call for both parties. Yeah. He's shown plenty of great great um, skill already in just a handful of games there. And if they can get him alongside Kiri for two seasons, fucking hell. You know, if I was Sam Walker, I sign that contract and I turn to the coach and I say, I need two weeks to let my body heal because he's not yet filled out as a first-grade footballer. And that's not to say he hasn't got the skills or anything like that because he just does. And his vision for someone as young as he is is absolutely off the charts. Yeah. But physically, he needs to be allowed to uh, prepare himself for the rigours of first-grade football. I think he's been thrown in a lot earlier than they would have wanted because of all the injuries. And you saw in the last game, he was getting beaten up a little bit. That's and... the problem, though. I don't know if they've got anyone they can actually replace him with, though. You think of all the injuries they've had to the half so far this year. You know, I think um, Lamb come, might be coming back this week, which would have given them the opportunity. But Hutchison getting injured, mm. that's just screwed him over again. So he's going to have to play because they've still got Keery out. Oh, they've just been absolutely hammered with the injuries in the halves. I've not seen the team cop this many injuries to to the players in the spine mm-hmm. in nine weeks. Yeah, I can't recall it ever happened this much before. It's insane. I mean, they've got one of them is retired in friend. Mm-hmm. Um, had two other hookers get injured. Yeah, it's just it's just insane. Yeah, Tedesco's been out. Oh, I've yeah. A lot of people don't have much sympathy for the Roosters, but I, I do feel for them a bit this year because the the number of like long term injuries. I mean, they've had a few players retire already, and you know, Cordner's not exactly a bloody done deal to finish the season either. You yeah, know, they, they shouldn't bring him back. No, no, I'm. I, I I did see one article today that said that he's not going to be considered for Origin. I went, you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. By the way, have you started putting your Origin team together yet? No. Okay, you've got to get on to that. Yeah, because everybody else is. Well, I've put my Origin team together. It's funny, I put my Origin team together, and then there was just a wave of New South Wales Origin teams coming out in the media. I was like, damn, it's going to seem like I jumped on the bandwagon. Um, I, need it, to, I need to find out something first. Yeah. When is the first State of Origin game? I don't know. Ah, it's the 9th of June. That's why I haven't given a fuck yet. It's a month away. <laughs> Still, you can think about it. Nope. Well, see, I know my origin team is going to really upset people, and it'll be fun to go through. I've already seen people. I think I briefly caught a glimpse of some NRL show the other day, and they had one of the teams up there, and someone's already got Jake Trebojevic in the side. I'm like, the how? Oh, goodness, how? Yeah, he's not in my team. I saw one with... Uh, I think it was Jeff Tuvey's team, and it was really bad. It was, mm. like, really, really bad. Yeah. They've got Tom Trebojevic at centre. No. No. We've been through this Tom Trebojevic at centre thing. He's not good at it. Like, if he's got to be in the team, put him on the wing. Most fullbacks, 
can do wing really easily because they all yeah. got to drop back. They've got to take the bombs. They've all got to do kick returns. That's what they do at fullback. Mm-hmm. It's fine. They can handle that. Put them there. Um, also seeing a lot of white at 5'8", clear at halfback. Clear at halfback, that's a lock. Whiten at 5'8". Whiten yeah. isn't even in the series. Yeah, I've not seen... And the problem with Whiten at the moment at the, Shark, at the Raiders is he's, his halfback isn't doing as much of the directing of play and organising as he did last year or his halfbacks did in previous years. And so Whiten has to try and carry some of that and it's not his role. Yeah. And he's struggling because of it. Yeah, he's, why... he's been terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Like, I'm not, not even... like, And he's always one of those players that's good to bet on as an anytime try scorer. And he's been fucking terrible this year. He's out of time. I'm, I'm putting Adam Dewey ahead of Jack Whiten this year. Yeah, and not, I would too, and I'm not, actually. And I'm not putting Adam, Moore, Adam Dewey in the, in the origin team. I'll no, make that no. clear. Um, so... For me, I don't see how Lua is not in the bloody conversation. So I'm not going to spoil my team. I think we should. What we should do, maybe what we should do, is we will do our Sunday night uh, episode that comes mm. out Monday morning. But then we'll try and record a League Freaks New South Wales State of Origin team, and you can just rip into my selections. Fair enough. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. With with vigor or just gently? Can't we have both? We'll try. <laughs> with with gentle vigor. Yeah, that's how I enjoy it. Okay, that sounds fair enough. Mm. Um, yeah, there's just see, there's a lot of nonsense. You see a lot of people there. They're being loyal, and I don't know why you'd be loyal to a team that lost the series. Yeah, I don't get it either, and, and it's. You know, this is a thing that New South Wales have... There's always this weird thing with New South Wales where they say, oh, he's an origin-style player. And normally what that means is your backs are huge and you pick players that have just done it, that have been there before. Like, not necessarily even won before, just been there. And that's how you get somebody like... You know, I I saw... uh, I think it was Jeff Toovey's team had... um, Bradman best in it. Um, like, why? He, he's had a, a, an average as fuck season. He, he had Tariq, uh, Tarek Sims in the side. Like, what the fuck? See, random Newcastle Knights selection should be banned after the, the Saifiti drama. Yeah, I agree. I we, agree. I'm pretty I, sure we both criticised that when it first happened, and then he played, and we were like, Why? See, I think what we should do is let Matthew Johns name a team and then rule all of those players out. <laughs> Everyone else. Yeah. That is exactly how we should go. <laughs> I dare say he'll be naming his team by the end of this week. Yeah, he'll pick... Like, who will be the random Newcastle player? He'll say, you know what? It'll be someone like Tex Hoy. He'll be like, you, you know you, what? you put Bradman Best in there. If you watch his game... And and you watch the way he reads defence, he'll come up with some weird shit like mm. that. Oh, yeah. I'll put him down to put Bradman Best in there. Yeah. And Bradman Best is like, if he's not careful, he'll be the next Dane Carlaw. 
I, look, I think he's got a bootload of potential. I'm yes. not sure he's going to reach it under this current coach. I agree. I'm not you know sold what? on Adam O'Brien as a coach yet. I was just about to say, Adam O'Brien, like, he definitely made them better last year, 100%. Yeah. But the thing that got me is he comes into this season and you see him in the dressing sheds and every single week he's throwing papers around and yelling and stuff and there's only many, so many times you can do that. And this is a Newcastle team that something's off about them. I don't quite know what it is. A lot of their players just look a little bit defeated. And, I, you know, they've got the talent. I think don't think there's any doubt about that. And sure, um, Pierce is out. But I don't think Pierce is the absolute linchpin that should be the reason why they're playing so poorly. And yeah, Adam O'Brien, I think that it's time to start thinking about, you know, what is he doing at this club? Like, what is the direction? Where are we going with this? Where is the... Has he got some ideas about what he wants to do at half? Because it feels like there's no ideas with the halves. I'd like to know what his future plan is for the halves. Yeah. Look, Pierce is not going to play forever. No. You know, and he's just doing makeshift halves all the time. Well, when Pierce got injured, and we were saying basically that in an ideal world, when Pierce is back and ready to play, there's not really a place for him in the team because they'll have gone three quarters of the season without him. Like, they should have learned to live without him at that point. And I'm still watching this Newcastle team at the moment. I'm like... Man, how many weeks until Pierce comes back? Yeah, they need him. Yeah. They need him. That's the thing. Like, a lot of people will sit there and they'll shit on Mitchell Pierce based on his performance at rep level. Fair enough. But you cannot discredit what he's been able to do at club level. He's always been a very reliable, handy halfback. His winning record, you know... It speaks volumes, and sure, it's easy to win when you're at the Roosters team that was winning all the time, but he went to a Newcastle team that was absolute dog shit, and he very strongly played a role in helping them reach the finals last year. It wasn't just in that year, it was the fact that he improved them when he first got there to to get to that point where he brought everyone else up with him. But he'll get you to a certain level. Like, he's not going to drag you to a premiership. No, no, that's right. But he will get he will improve you if you're if you're a bottom rung team, he will improve you up to the mid table. And so it's up to the coach then to build the the squad around him to you know, enhance that and make it better and move it up to the next level. And the Knights haven't really done that. Yeah. They've been treading water for the last two years as far as recruitment goes. Well that's the thing. It, it this this Knights team feels like they're treading water. That's mm. a really good way to put it. And I just don't see where you, you're looking at the team every week and saying, you know what, Adam O'Brien's chucked in this young bloke and they're giving him a go. And, you know, on top of that, Callum Ponga is in and out of this side injured, which really concerns me. Um, I I actually think, weirdly enough, he would cop less punishment playing at 5'8 than he does at fullback. Yeah, the problem, though, I think is he'd be a lot easier to shut down, I think, at 5'8", because he'd be getting the ball a lot more. Yeah. So you just you just have a, a second rower constantly on his ass all the fucking time, and you don't want to have a big man on him all the time. So being a fullback when he comes in occasionally, it's a little bit too random, his involvement. 
to risk having a, a second row on him all the time. But he is getting smashed at fullback. Oh, yeah. He is, he is. But the same thing too. He does run the ball back pretty hard for a, for a smallish guy. True, but I, I just think even when he's taking the balls from high bombs and stuff, like he's just getting blasted out of the game at this point. And if I'm the Newcastle Knights, and I believe they've signed him to a long-term deal, um, already, I don't, I think he's already signed that deal. I'm not sure, but I, I I'm looking at his long term. You know, I want him at the club for the next ten years, and so, and I just worry that he's another one of these players getting bashed out the game because he's another. He's a slight sort of player. Yeah, and the thing I would be looking at is I would be lining him up with say Jonathan Thurston, who was a pretty slight dude himself. Not as slight as Ponga, but, you know, that same similar sort of build. And I'd be looking at, you know, how he was able to get through all that, you know, work defensively and things like that. Well, I guess if you put him at six, you can probably have um, Tyson Frizzell as his protector, so to speak. Yeah. So I, I suppose I, that's an option. I just think at 5'8", at, at you you've got options, whereas at fullback he is... He's just such a big target because if you shut him down, he shut down the Knights. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Knights, they're playing against the West Tigers this week. Yeah, I tipped um, the Knights. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm sorry. Now, it, it's probably surprising for you people some of the changes that the Tigers made. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Cheney got, got dumped. That is no surprise. He was god-awful last week. Mm-hmm. Um, dropped everything. Um, I think he even dropped his guts at one stage. Um, Jake Sipkin, who actually had been playing pretty well at Hooker, he's been dumped from the side um, so that Jacob Little can come back in. So Little is now going to be the only number nine. I, I'm not sure he's played 80 minutes yet. If he has, it's only one or two games. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a bit of a stretch. The other thing that's been interesting is Adam Dewey has been one of the very few shining lights for the Tigers in the last month. And he's been doing bloody good football, playing 5'8". Mm-hmm. And so he's been moved from 5'8 to centre so that Moses and Bayer can go to 5'8 alongside Luke Brooks. The odd thing there is a rookie in Jock Madden. He's a very talented young halfback. He's named on the bench. Uh, and you would guess that he would come into the starting... I mean, he has to come into the starting side. And the thing, bench. if he's not going to start in the game, mm. the only role he's going to get is to cover Jacob Little at hooker. Yeah. If he can't do 80 minutes. And if that's the case, why put a halfback on the bench when you just had a hooker who'd been playing there anyway? Why not just leave him on the bench? So, yeah, I'd be dumping Brooks and say, let's give Madden a go. I mean, mm-hmm. Tiger's season is done. Let's be clear. Yeah. They're not gaining anything by leaving Brooks there if he's not performing. He's never been dropped. So drop him, put him under pressure, see what he does. Let this young Madden kid have a crack, see how he goes. But don't pair him up with Moses and Byer. Put him with the informed 5'8", Adam Dewey. Because Dewey's, we assume, is going to be the long-term 5'8 for the club. So let him learn the role a bit more. And put him in a situation here where... You know, with any luck, he's alongside a halfback who has a who's not a fucking mute. <laughs> that would be helpful. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the thing about Dewey is they, when they signed him, like, you kind of thought, okay, they've signed him as a fullback. But then he, he plays some fullback, then he plays some five-eighths, now he's out to the centres, and it's like, okay, so what was the, the plan when you signed him? Because the there's, there's very That's... few plays that you sign where you're like, well, we're going to sign this guy so that he we can move him around the field. I, I don't know. It, this is the thing, and um, what worries me is that he had a few weeks where he got to settle down and, and focus on one job, mm-hmm. and he very quickly showed that he can learn new roles and adapt real quickly. And he started to become quite a good little playmaker there. And he was took on the line when he got close to, you know, when we got in the 10-meter area, he'd take the line on, he'd back himself, and that was that was just great to see. Yeah. And he didn't do it all the time, so he was picking his moments pretty well. And then all of a sudden we took him out of that role and moved into the centers. So we're now going to give him less ball. I don't understand the the, the purpose of this at all and why the team is con- consistently sticking with having to have Moses and Bayern the 13. Well, I don't mind if they want to put him in the 17. At the moment, he, he probably deserves to be in the 17. But if the Tigers are smart about their long-term plans, mm-hmm. Moses and Bayern doesn't fit in the 30-man squad at all. And they should be trying to get rid of him at the end of this year. Yeah. Stop putting him in the team. Just two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, they were talking about trying to make him play as a Tyrone Peachy-style lock. <laughs> Yet they've never played him at lock. They've played him at centre and off the bench. Make up your fucking minds. And then you put him five-eighths. You sabotage in the attack again by moving our in-form half into the centres in order yeah. to put this bloke at five-eighth, who's... Defence is atrocious. He's going to have a bunch of big blokes running at him there. Clem is going to run holes through him all bloody game. I I don't get it. But how about the fact that you've got a team that you would you would look at this team right now and say, okay, Roberts, you want to get rid of him. Um, Leilua, you'd want to get rid of him for sure. Brooks, in an ideal world, you'd replace him with someone. And why you'd want to get rid of him. And it's like, why does this team have so many players that you want to get rid of? Like, who's yeah. putting it together? Yeah. It just it shouldn't be this this horrible mess. No. Um, and the worst thing about this is, like, such like by Bradman Best, he's a big unit. He's going to be running Adam Dewey all, day, all game. Mm-hmm. Is that what we want? Whereas we've got a big unit in the centres in Lalua. We're not switching them around and putting them on the other side of the field to target Bradman Best. And centre's not a, just a position where you just go and play it. Like, no. It's the most difficult defensive reading position on the field, without any question. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't understand that move. We've all. got new combinations all across the field. So Nofaluma and Dewey um, in the back line on that side, Talao and Lailua on the other, and Byron Brooks in the halves. Oh, my God, it's a fucking mess. If you rated the West Tigers' performances on a scale of 1 to 10, right, and and it's just the West Tigers, you're not, I'm not saying <laughs> that he's the 10 is Wally Lewis. I'm just saying within the squad. And I think it's fair to say Dane Laurie is your 10. Oh, uh, Adam Dewey, I think, is a really good 8. 
Who's the next on that list? Um... Nofaluma, probably. And he's been hot and cold at times. Yeah. He's he's I'd like probably I'd probably have him as a six. Yeah. Yeah. Um Lalura as well. I'd put him as a six. He sort of drops in and out of games occasionally. And that, um, th- and that's the thing. It's like you've really got to think about it. It's not like you look at some of the other teams in the league and if you did that same thing you could rattle off names pretty easy. And they certainly wouldn't... You wouldn't be down to six with your third player. No, God, no. You know. That's the thing. Uh, the Tigers are a mess. And the only thing that's going to save them from the wooden spoon is just how bad the Bulldogs are. Yeah. Yeah, one That was always going to be the case. By um, the way, let's talk about... Did you see Cole Flanagan when he fronted the, the press conference and he, he got a bit teary-eyed? I- Look, I didn't see it. I heard about it. Mm-hmm. My only question is, did uh, did Kyle's dad ring up Trent and demand answers as to why his son didn't get picked? It's a really good question. I'm sure he has, hey? Mm-hmm. I bet he has. Maybe that's why uh, Kyle was crying. Well, <laughs> oh, no, dad's going to ring the coach again. I'm going to have to find a new club again. If my dad was Shane Flanagan, I'd be fucking upset too. Yeah. Um, so, oh no, that's right. He's just reminded me that he still exists as my father. I forgot, I forgot <laughs> about that. Um, they, the club said that he wanted. He, they said to him, "You don't have to do the press conference." He said, "No, I wanted to." And look, I guess with how he's played this year, like he's been really bad this year. Hang on, I just want to go back to that press conference thing. Was was this a press conference that was going to be about him being dropped, or was it just one that he was assigned to do anyway, whether he's dropped or not? Well, what they they said, and you don't know what the truth is, but what they said was that they told him he didn't have to answer the media's questions. It was just like, you know, a bit of media time with the players. Okay. And uh, they said, you don't have to do it, and they said that he said he wanted to do it. Okay. So, mm. and they asked him, obviously, about being dropped and, you know, then they got onto what roles his, his dad played in supporting him and stuff and that got him all upset. And look, at when I say upset, he, he kind of stopped and tried to gather himself and he handled it all right, you know. But I, I just think that it's something that um, all sports clubs across the world are really... They're, they're juggling this thing. I remember reading a thing from the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, and he was saying one of the weird things that he is having to deal with as the NBA commissioner is how many players are, are not happy. And it's a weird thing because they're like, when you're playing sport for a living, you're, you're playing a kid's game for a living and they're all making big money. Like even... uh Flanagan, he'd be on bloody good money compared to most people doing a normal job. But a lot of them are unhappy, and it's this weird thing, and it's something that clubs really need to manage. And I think we even saw that with Nathan Cleary to a certain extent, where he's this dude that's been around football all his life, and you know his dad's been a coach. He, he's seen it all, and he seems unshakable on the field. But then every so often he'll come out in a in an interview and he'll say, 
yeah, the things people have said about me really affect me and they really, you know, he, he finds it really hard to tune it all out. And that's what I kept on thinking with Flanagan when I saw him in this press conference. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's, it's a real crazy thing. I, I, I'm i not going to sit there and, and mock him because... He's got he's he's got himself in a bit of a bad spot at the moment because of the team he's walked into mm-hmm. and the just woeful coach that they have. Yeah, no, he was on a hiding to nothing that was never going to lead to success. I don't see if I'm Trent Barrett, I don't understand why you would go and you know employ a young halfback. Especially one this young, with obviously your plan is to have him as your long term seven, and then dump him after eight or nine games purely because your team's not winning games. As I've tried to argue with morons before on Twitter, your halfback is not responsible for all of your defensive woes. Mm. He's only responsible for the defence in his immediate area, just like it is for every other player. If other players want to run up and make the wrong options or they want to, you know, run at the wrong gaps, read defence poorly, not stick to tackles, not be in the right spot, that's not the halfback's problem. Yeah. He's only responsible for the attack. And the attack is not always, 50, you know, 100% down to the halfback either. Look at how many other attacking options they've got in their spine. Exactly. And look at look at all the change that he's had around him in that spine, and yeah. you know it, that look. They're all in the same boat. They're all on a hiding to nothing at the moment. Um, and, and look, I've got no problems with him being dropped. I think that for young halfbacks, sometimes you need to get that run of first grade games and then go back to reserve grade and apply it where it's just that little bit slower, just you know, a, a pace that you're going to be more comfortable in and apply what you've learned in first grade at that lower level. Yeah, it's, it is often just as simple as that. But I think if Barrett was smart, he'd be trying to work, you know, not focus on results at this stage, focus on being A, competitive, but B, trying to run plays and structures and systems. Mm-hmm that you can build upon in future years as you start to build and strengthen your, your squad, you know, and at the moment he's not doing any of that. He's putting the team out there and thinking, Oh, we'll get a win and we'll just keep doing, throwing the same fucking dart at the board all the time. Mm. And it's not working. And so instead of changing the way he does things, he goes, Oh, I'll ditch the fucking halfback. Yeah. What, like, what's he going to achieve out of it? You bring in another halfback. If that team wins, then how long do you keep that... How long do you keep Flanagan in reserves for mm-hmm. and pursue this halfback? And if they lose, how long do you keep Flanagan in reserves for? Yeah. To, to justify having brought this guy up? You know, you, you're on a fucking hide into nothing. I don't understand why you'd do that. Like... He's so so early in his career, you don't know enough about him as to what it is that his strengths and weaknesses are and whether he was the right player or not or whether you can work with him or not. It's different when you're talking about someone like Luke Brooks 
who's played 150 games. Yeah. You know all there is to know about him. And if the team's not winning and their attacker's struggling, you go, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's time we try a new halfback. We've tried this guy here for several years. It's not working. Let's try someone else. Mm-hmm. But when you when you look at someone who's only played several games, it's a fucking rough call to say that, you know, it's on him. Yeah, and, like, I look at someone like Nathan Cleary. There's still stuff I'm seeing him do in games, like, in the last few weeks where I'm like, ooh, he's adding that, you know? Or... Or oh, he's really he's he's working that part of his game out. Well, that little pass he did to was it to Luai, where he, he looked to likely he was going to pass to the inside runner, mm. and then passed and I no look pass to to Luai instead, running the opposite direction. I think it was on the weekend. Fucking lovely little play. I hadn't seen I hadn't seen Cleary do no look passes like that before. Yeah, it there's. You know, the thing that he's doing this year really well, and he started doing it last year, is, like, knowing when to run the ball. Like, if he keeps up, if he just runs the ball as good as he's running it now, he's going to be one of the best running halfbacks that I've ever seen. Because he, it, like, he he just knows the right time to run. And it's not when there's a, you know, it's easy to run when there's a giant gap and, you know, you run through it. It's when the defense is just retreating and they're kind of set, but not completely, and then he'll run. And it's, it's you know, so we're, you're still learning about Cleary. And as you say, how do you know about a, a halfback who's just getting used to being a first grader, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, it's, I, I don't get it. There's no... There's no future planning with this. I, I don't understand any of it at all. Um, so it's Trent Barrett, you know. He's a fucking idiot. That's pretty much all I can summarize <laughs> out of that. <laughs> well, they started talking about, I think it was Danny Widler asked him a question. Well, it looked like Danny Widler's ear, um, you know. We we all know what Danny Wilder's ears look like. Not so much his head, but his how ears definitely. We've got his fucking ears down. Pat. How fucked is that, eh? Um, but Danny Wilder's ear was asking him, like, at what point does the pressure come onto you? And you know, Trent Barrett. Like, I'll be honest, he looks like one of those guys to me. The lights are on, but nobody's home, sort of thing. And he's sort of, <laughs> you know, staring into fucking nothingness, sort of saying, "Well, deer in headlights." That yeah, that I'm. It's like he's. It's weird. Anyway, he, <laughs> he was saying that he, you know, he's not sure, and that's for other people to decide, and he really should be um, judged on a week to week basis. Um, I I think Bulldogs fans. I know the last couple of weeks, Bulldogs fans have been like starting to come around to how we feel about Trent Barrett's coaching, and. Yet, yet the results speak for themselves with his coaching. Like, there's there's no getting around. Like, you can say, oh, he's a genius at this, or the players respond to him. But when the results are what they have been at the Manly Seagulls and now the Bulldogs, I mean, how, I don't know how you talk your way around that. No, he took their one, their one asset, which they had the last few years, mm. which was they had a very good defensive system in place. Mm-hmm. And I know that might seem odd to a lot of people, but 
you look at how hard a lot of teams had to work to score points against the Bulldogs. Yeah. They had a very good defensive system in place. They weren't getting flogged by any means. No. Uh, and if they did, it was because the attack was that good. They earned that, those points. Um, that's not the case anymore. The defense is just, it's like the West Tigers defense. Like, yeah. Seriously, it, it's just guessing it's every man for himself. No one's working together. It's all, you know, we need to stop them. You do what you got to do and, you know, hopefully we it works. And that's pretty much the fucking game plan of defense. An attack is just get to the last and kick. Yeah, and he's doing, and that's with a better squad. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's added, he's added better players than with their last year. Absolutely. It's, it's not a good situation for the Bulldogs. And, it, it, you know, how long do you... Because they can't sack him after his first season. Because if you sack it, if you make that big commitment to him and you sack him after one year, then you have to go yourself, you know, oh, because absolutely. you've made a, a mistake. That, and that's a giant mistake. Yeah. I mean, it's... But if you're going to do it, you need to do it early before he starts, you know, any more major recruitment. Yeah. And that's the problem too is they've they've already recruited heavily. Like when I'm talking heavily as in um amount of money they've invested in their back line. Mm-hmm. That's that's not where they need to be investing money. Like the only teams who need to be investing money in their back line are teams who are already in the top eight. Yeah. The teams who are in the bottom eight uh, shouldn't be worrying about their fucking back lines. They should be worrying about why they're conceding so many points and unable to be competitive to start with. Because usually you'll find that the latter is defined by the teams who've got good defence and shit defence. Shit defence yeah. does not get into the finals. And no. if it does, it's only just, it will never get you to the grand final. Yeah. And, and you know, I, it's weird that, like, the 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 one for me is getting Josh Adokar. And I think he's the best winger I've ever seen in my lifetime. But they don't need the best winger that I've seen in my lifetime. They need. Well, it's pointless but, if you can't get the ball to him. Yeah, exactly. You know. So, and, and like I've heard people saying, well, they're going to play him at fullback. I mm. and he's the best. He's the best winger of all time. But I don't see him as a fullback. No. I mean, DWZ was a very good winger too. Why would you put him at fullback? Yeah. We're finding it. That's not a great idea either. I don't know. I don't get it. It's that's the thing, though. I mean, you, you go and you go and bond one marquee player like that, and you think, okay, I now need to put them in a prominent position, just like mm-hmm. the Cowboys did with with Holmes, mm-hmm. like the Tigers have done with Moses and By. Yeah, you know, we need to put them somewhere prominent. You go, just don't get them. Yes, exactly, and and it's like if you want to get a fullback, buy a fullback. Yeah, well, and- I'd have. I would rather if the Tigers had a million dollars spare mm-hmm. or a bit over a million dollars spare, they don't blow it all on one player. They go, you know what? Off the top of my head, we're going to go and get ourselves Liam Martin and Kurt Capewell. Mm-hmm. Two players, you can pay them well and they automatically go into your 13 and they improve your team in both defence and attack. Yeah, especially for a team like where the Tigers are. Like, yeah. And I was a big... I thought they should have got Latrell Mitchell. I think they should have paid overs for Latrell Mitchell, right? Uh, but Latrell Mitchell in this side is going to do some pretty incredible things 
he's going to make them better than they are, but he's not going to get them into the finals. No, and let's be honest, he's not going to do anything much more impressive than what Dane Laurie is currently doing. Yeah. And to the point where he's not going to turn some of those losses into wins because some of those losses are heavy. Yeah. Uh, and Laurie's been oh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. What a steal. Unbelievable. The Tigers don't realise how much they fluked a good deal there. How many fullbacks would you not swap? for Dane Laurie in his form right now. Like, obviously, Tedesco, I, people are going to kill me for this. I'd take him over Tom Trebojevic. He's played every game. Yeah, I'd... Pappenhausen. Pappenhausen, you couldn't take him over him, yep. RTS, I mean, he's gone anyway, but... I mean, I'm, I'm talking about only the, the elite top few. Yeah, it's like... Like, that's three... Who would be next? Will, Will Kennedy at the Sharks. I mean, the Sharks have been pretty awful the last few weeks, but Kennedy has been pretty bloody good this year. See, I'd line him up with on the same line as Kennedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of where we're looking at, though. I'd, Laurie's been phenomenal. There's already been really talk has. about trying to move him to 5'8". I, I don't want to see that anymore. I just want to keep him at fullback. Yeah, I, think, I think he's been absolutely perfect there. And he injects himself exactly what he needs to, and I think... If you put him at five eighth, you'd be he'd be overplaying his hand too much. Mm-hmm. I think right now we're getting exactly what we need out of him. I think it's good for his development at fullback at the moment as well. Well, it helps um, him with his with his running game too. Yeah, and and look, I, I've said I think he's five eighth. Uh, I I you know in reserve grade he was he was controlling games as a as a five eighth, um, but I think for his development is really good to. Uh, have him at fullback. I think it's going to make him a, a much more all-round play when he does eventually move to 5'8". And, you know, if you're the West Tigers, you just don't mess with what's actually working. No, that's right, which is not much. <laughs> it's it's literally, there's two things that are working, Dane and the lorry part. That's Those right. Those two parts are working. None of it, none of the rest is. Now, on a, uh, a lighter note... Mm-hmm. I had a look at the NRL match preview for the Tigers v Knights game this morning. Yeah. And they've got a, a stat attack section. Yeah, I love the stat attacks. Oh, this is a good one. I think we've uncovered a few issues that the Knights and Tigers have got with this one. Mm-hmm. The Knights are averaging 17.9 games per game in 2021. Mm-hmm. You heard that right? 17.9 games per game. Oh, games per game. I just, yeah. in my head, I switched it to points. No, no, no. It's, it says here games. Geez, that's a lot of games per game. Just a tick ahead of the Tigers who are doing, who are averaging seventeen point six games per match. Wow, so they're they're playing the same amount of games per game. So a lot mm. of games per game for both teams to be playing, though. So if you divide the amount of points the Tigers have played by how many games they're trying to play per match, the defense works out pretty good. Yeah, they'd be right up there with Penrith. Oh, ahead. Yeah. Because let's be honest, we've got here what? 17, what is it? 70.6 for the Tigers mm-hmm. times nine. So they've, they've played 158.4 games so far this year. Yeah, it's, I mean, they're doing and, well with injuries considering that. And they've only conceded 262 points in those 158 games. Yeah. 
That makes them one of the best defensive teams of all time. That's 1.6 points per game. Incredible. Like Penrith, I mean, in comparison, they're almost up to a whopping fucking seven points per game. Trash. Out, out of trash. So, you know, the the Tigers, that, that's impressive defense. So if they can just focus on trying to average one game per game and they, they stick with that defensive average, no one's touching them. No, nah, premiership winners. Premiership winners right there. By the way, Penrith averaging seven points a game against is... I don't like, know. It's, it's not seven. It's almost seven. <laughs> that is... That is fucking outrageous. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's six points... I think it's 6.67, something along those lines. What did that Manly team in... I th- What was their best season? Might oh, have was, been, that the, was that the 95 team? 95 or 96, wasn't it? Somewhere around there. I can't Somewhere. remember which one it was. It was one of those two teams. I'd love to know what they averaged, because it wouldn't have been even close to that. No, I've... I will be doing some stats this week because there there's not too many teams that have averaged that low defensively. Mm. Um, that is pretty impressive. Even yeah. just over the first nine rounds. Manly, in all of 1996, they conceded 8.6 point ga- points per game. Wow. So that was 191 points after 22 games. See, and they're... They're the ones that, like, those Manly teams in the mid-90s, best defensive teams I've seen. And, and now it's Penrith. It just is. And and that's that's as much on the eyeball test as anything. Only um, twice in 1996 did a team score 20 points or more against Manly. Wow. It was Gold Coast in round, round two when Manly beat them 36-22, and it was North the week after who won 20-10. From then on, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. The the opposition got to double figures. Scoring averages were lower then as well overall. Um, weren't they? Average points per game in 90, 1996 was 38.48. Yep. This year, it's five points higher. Yeah. Last year, it was two points lower than this year. I like it when stats play out, when you think to yourself, yeah, they were scoring less points back then, and then it turns out they were. It makes you feel really good inside. <laughs> it's funny, because it was... In 2019, before mm-hmm. all the dumb shit rule changes came in, mm-hmm. we were averaging almost... One point per game more than what we were in 1996. Far out. That's crazy. And now we're averaging four or five point five points per game more. People want to see... Later. Andrew, people want to see more points. They want more points and less stoppages. Have you not heard? You've got to read the memo. Yeah. More points but less points and more stoppages but less stoppages. Mm-hmm. Um, because we want fatigue, but we don't want too much fatigue, and we want the little men to come into the game, but we don't want them in the game. No. It's a classic. It's a classic. You, you know, when when somebody will ask a footy player a question, and they go, yeah, nah. Yeah, yeah, nah. That's it. <laughs> it's the classic yeah, nah moment. 
Yeah, I'm gonna um tomorrow night. I'm, I might see if I can get through and and get a list of all of the best defensive teams that have ever existed. I'm pretty sure I know of uh, a few of them off the top of my head, and they're from way back in the very early days. Yeah. Are we gonna? Um, is that gonna be an article, or are we gonna make nah, that a? That'll just be some stats I'll put up on the. Uh, I'll put them up on Twitter or something like that. Oh yeah, you don't do exclusives, dear. Ah fuck! Can't be asked. <laughs> um, South in nineteen oh nine considered four point one points per game. Wow, that's impressive. And I think Bowman in nineteen seventeen, yeah, Bowman in nineteen seventeen considered conceded four point three six points per game. Wow! So they had they considered sixty one points in fourteen games. Wow, only, that's crazy. Only had one loss, which was a sixteen to nine loss to Newtown, and. Their 12-10 win over South in round 14 was the only other time that they conceded more than nine points in a game. Whoa. Have a look at that. They only played 14 games that year. But this is what their opponents scored. 3-3-0-2-2-0-9-16-2-5-0-0-9-10. Imagine playing them. That would be rotten. Fucking <laughs> oh, phenomenal. Imagine yeah. watching one of those games. It would be like I I feel like you'd watch it and you'd be like, it would look like a completely different sport. Obviously, it well it would look like <clears throat> a a faster version of rugby union. It, yeah, and it but there'd be certain elements like the play the ball, you know. Yeah, the play the ball still there, but the the dummy or the marker was allowed to strike at every single play the ball. Yeah. So you, what footage there is available, all you can see is the hooker standing there with his hand on top of the, well, not the hooker, the dummy, the marker standing there with his hand on top of the, the player playing the ball and raking at the ball. Mm. And that just goes on in every single tackle attempt. Um, so that's their scrums were always a pushing mess. Um, Another thing that happened too back in those days is you'd get some teams and they would play with two five-eighths and one half-back, mm-hmm. which meant they either had to sacrifice a second rower or a centre. And it was actually back in the days when your half-back was on was actual first receiver and your five-eighth was second receiver. So what they had was two second receivers, one on either side of the half-back. Mm. You, know was... we, you know what we should do? We should find the oldest rugby league game footage we can where it's, like, just the game footage. And, like, turn turn the volume down on, on all of the crowd and everything and just break down what we're watching, what we're seeing, and the yeah. differences and stuff. That'd be cool, eh? That'd be great for an episode. Yeah, let's do that. We'll do that. Should I leave that in your hands to find that footage? Oh, jeez, what would that footage be? Uh, I'm thinking we'll get... I'm thinking World Cups, Challenge Cup, Finals... What's well, the thing? I mean, if if you it doesn't matter if you're restricted to the English game. The English game was was better than the Australian game for many yeah. of those earlier years. So oh, yeah. it'd be I'm a just, good, a, I'm a just good example. Like how far back there would be of of footage, because obviously they're going to have more of it in England than we did in Australia. There's, I don't know if you're going to get full game footage of stuff from the the 20s and 30s, but there would be. There's definitely a lot of highlights footages and stuff from that from that era. Maybe what we can do is we can uh, find as much of just pure game footage as we can from old 
games, like really old games. And we'll we'll put a couple of different ones together back to back, and and uh, that'll be good. That'll be good fun. Absolutely, I'm keen on that. If if anyone's listening, if you've got really old footage, and we're talking like if you know of footage before 1930, let us know. Get in touch with us on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. That would be brilliant. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. Let's do that. I think we've. We've been on for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had one of these episodes. Yeah, it has been, hey? Um, we'll wait quick. Uh, thanks for tuning in. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, MySpace. So check us out on all of those. Like, subscribe, all that sort of gear. Um, make sure you go to your podcast listening app and give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. We'll read that on the podcast. Put them up on the website. Also, when you're over there, you can leave us a message, Freaky. Yeah, go to com, and you go to the comment section and you can leave us a message. We promise we'll get to them. We really will. We know yeah. we've been a bit slack. Um, it's been a little bit of a busy time, and but we, we, we will get to everything. Absolutely, we will. That's our plan. I mean, we've done a fair few of those email ones already, so you know we're good for it. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that wraps it up. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll catch you all next time.